Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. heart of gratitude, right? We just celebrated Thanksgiving, and if you, if you sat around the table with your loved ones or friends, and you said things that, uh, that you were grateful for, or you thanked others for something they did for you, you know that it feels good, right? It fills the heart when we say thank you. And you know it feels good when you watch someone else say thank you to someone. It fills our hearts in such a way that nothing else can. And I I want for us, as we begin this season towards Christmas, that we don't have Thanksgiving for just one day, but we actually, I want to extend Thanksgiving all the way to the end of the year, that we have that sense of gratitude every single day. I call it thanks living. Today, we're going to talk about gratitude, and I, I firmly believe that gratitude has the power to heal our hearts. We know it because when we experience gratitude, as we just did, it does something to us. We cannot escape what it does for us. It heals the heart. And Scripture tells us that our hearts are important. In Proverbs 4, Solomon wrote these wise words. He said this about our hearts. He said, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all of highest priority, of top importance. There's nothing else more important. Guard your heart. Protect your heart. Now, in the Hebrew uh, mindset, the word for heart is, sounds very similar to our word for love, is love, L-A-V, or, or sometimes says lavav. That word for heart is not just emotions and desire and those nice feelings, But that word means the the absolute center of human thought, spirituality, and yes, our emotion. So when Solomon says, above or else, guard your heart, it means guard that which is most precious to you, your inner being. That includes your mind. It includes your heart. Yes, your emotions. It includes your spirituality. Guard all of that. And I believe gratitude is the way to do so. I believe gratitude has the power to help us guard our heart. And scripture supports that. When you look at the very beginning, the story of Adam and Eve, uh, the very first man and woman created by God to be in perfect unity with him. When you think about it, they had everything. God gave them the greatest banquet and buffet on earth, right? Everything they could eat, peace with the animals, perfect weather, So for this Puerto Rican, that would be like 82 degrees, low humidity. Thank you. Everything was perfect. And God said, you have access to all of this. They didn't even have to wear clothes. They didn't have any shame. They didn't have a closet full of things that were old and new. They were just living in freedom. And God said, you have all of this, all of it, except one thing. Don't eat from the tree of good and evil. And these These people chose to not choose gratitude, but instead look for more. You see, the Bible tells us there is an enemy to gratitude. And I think you and I know that because we all struggle, really, to have a heart of gratitude 
all the time? How many of us find ourselves complaining often? We all struggle with that. And there's an enemy to that. And Jesus said himself in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, the enemy comes, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's what he comes to do. It's not if he's coming, he's come to do these things. And he comes to steal our heart of gratitude. And that's what he does with the first man and woman. When you look at the story as, as a serpent tries to tempt Adam and Eve, to do what God told them not to do, you see the pattern of how the thief steals gratitude from our heart. And I would break it down into three E's. It's not the whole sermon. We're just going to touch on this very quickly so we can see how gratitude can heal us. In your outline, you see three parts of Scripture out of Genesis chapter 3. The first thing that the enemy does is he questions if God is good. He says, really, did God really say, could God really give you so much but keep this one thing not available to you? Is it right for God to, to hold back from you? How could he possibly be good? He's not giving you 100% of everything. And what that means is that the enemy seeks for us to compare ourselves not only to one another, but soon, if that's not enough, we start to compare ourselves to God. And that's sort of the first D, which is envy. We start to envy what others have, and we start even to envy what God has. Isn't it true that when we are caught up with comparison and envy, our gratitude goes straight out the window, right? It is a killer of gratitude. And the second thing he does is he says to them, you will not certainly die if you eat from that fruit. It's not true that you will die. Somehow God would not do that to you. You don't deserve death. And that second is entitlement. It's this idea, well, that can't happen to me. I'm better than that. There's no way that God would do this to me. And entitlement, this belief that we somehow are owed something, that we deserve something, that steals our gratitude, doesn't it? I mean, you, you, you know, when you see someone acting with an entitlement heart, you watch how that destroys their heart of gratitude. And that's what happened to Eve as well. And the third one is expectations. Because here they had an expectation. And sure enough, she says, the fruit was beautiful and it was good for knowledge. And he says to him, you will be like God if you eat that fruit. In other words, there's this expectation that they want to happen. And if we have unmet expectations, doesn't that kill our gratitude? When, when you have an idea of how things should work out and they don't, right away our gratitude is out the door. It doesn't matter how good it is. If it's missing the mark, our gratitude is nowhere to be found. It's a killer of gratitude. And that's what the enemy wants to do with you and I. And there is a penalty for this ingratitude. When we find ourselves not in a grateful place, there's actual damage that happens to us and to others along the way. And you know it. You, you've heard yourself. I've heard myself be ungrateful. And, and I watch as people around me are harmed by it, as I'm harmed by it, when I'm critical, when I see, when I look for the thing that's not right. And sure enough, that's what happens to them. In verse 7, it says, At that moment, their eyes were opened, and suddenly they felt shame. You've heard yourself say the thing you shouldn't. You've heard yourself be ungrateful. And doesn't that immediately bring shame? Doesn't that really bring, like, regret? I mean, have you ever said something and you went, Oh, that just came out of my mouth. And there's a sense of, like, regret that comes when we let, when we let the enemy in and to take in our gratitude. And it does more than that. Paul writes in Romans, he says this, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
Ingratitude can actually make us foolish and actually can harden our hearts. It does the absolute opposite of gratitude. If gratitude can heal our hearts, ingratitude will make our hearts hard and dark and evil even. Um, James says this, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every kind of evil practice. And here's the thing. Since there's an enemy to gratitude, since we know there is a a cost to ingratitude, there's actually a, a negative to ingratitude, we should let the enemy have not a single inch into our heart. We should be absolutely committed to not letting the enemy steal our gratitude. We all have things to be grateful for, and we should not give him any ground in our hearts. Gratitude is the only way to protect that. The psalmist wrote this beautiful psalm, which May read for us today. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. As she said, the password to God's presence is a heart of gratitude. Give thanks to him, it says. And I'm going to tell you one story in Luke chapter 17. You heard it earlier. And it's a beautiful picture of God's heart for you and for me. You see, we have a loving, generous God. He wants to give us abundance. He wants to give us more than we could ever imagine or ask for or even expect. But the thing is, we have to have a grateful heart. And while he gives us, even when we don't ask, oh, this is a God who wants to give more if we were simply grateful. And we get that, don't we? Aren't you more generous towards people who are grateful? Are you more likely to give someone more simply because they show gratitude? God's the same way. And in this story, you hear that Jesus met these 10 men who had leprosy. Now, you and I may not actually know what leprosy looks like. How many of you have been to a leprosy colony or seen them? Okay, a handful of you. You would agree with me that when you look at the people who have leprosy, they cannot hide their disease. It's very physically visible. It's out there. And because of that, they were separated from the community. And Jesus bumps into 10 of these guys, and he heals them. Nine of them go back, continue walking towards the temple. One returns to say thank you. Now, I want you to have a picture of what leprosy looks like because this blows my mind because I can't imagine having experienced that kind of a healing and not saying thank you. And so these might be a little gruesome, but take a look at these. These are some pictures made of um, people with leprosy. Our tech person will bring them up here in a second. They're coming. But the leprosy is such a way that it changes the skin in a very visible way. And here's some feet to give you an example. It mutilates your body from the outside in. Now imagine these were your feet. Imagine that was your skin. And you meet with Jesus and he heals you. What would that moment feel like the second you looked at yourself and suddenly you have toes again? Suddenly your skin is like baby skin. You have no need for the bandages. You can peel them off. I mean, how grateful will you be on a scale of 1 to 100? 100. I mean, leaping and dancing and making noise and being shocked. It would be like, a, I mean, a crazy scene. These 10 guys should have made the loudest noise possible. None of them keep walking. Who knows what they were thinking? I can't even put myself in their mind, but you know, that's how we do it. That's you and I. So often God will do something like that for us. And we like act like, yeah, yeah, sure, that's God. He did that for me. One man comes back, and he says thank you. He falls at his feet, and he thanks God for what he's done. He acknowledges that the healing came from Jesus. And you know, Jesus 
I love it. He says, where are the other nine? I would have done more for them if they came back. But for you, my friend, your faith has made you well. And it's not just his faith made his skin well, because that already happened. What Jesus is saying to this man, I've got a better healing for you. Because here's the thing. The leprosy, which was an external disease, surely would take a person's life. But every single one of us, whether we have leprosy or not, we will all one day die. The statistics are one for one. We all die. But this man wasn't just going to die. This man was going to have eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so while he might experience death, just like the other nine guys did, he would have eternal life. You see, God wants to give us so much more than we could ever imagine. And that's what he does for this. He models for us the heart of God to be generous to us when we choose to be grateful to him. When we say, yes, I'm going to be grateful no matter the circumstances. Paul writes a letter to a church in Thessalonica. And this little church was located on the road to uh, Rome, and it was a, a trading area. If you look at where it's located in Asia, this would have been a place where thousands of people would come and go in that area. We would have had Gentiles, we would have Jews, people walking back and forth. And this little church was there. It was a small church, highly persecuted by everyone. And Paul writes a letter to them, and he says this to them. He says, rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Rejoice how often? Always. Pray how often? Continuously. Give thanks when? All circumstances. How is Paul able to tell a group of people who are struggling, who are being persecuted, to rejoice all the time, to give thanks all the time, to pray continuously? And probably you're sitting there going, you don't know my story. You don't know my challenges. How could you ask me to be grateful all the time? You, you just have to hear a little bit of my story. You understand why I just can't do that. I can't do what you're asking me to do. But here's the thing. Paul is saying, yes, you can be grateful all the time. Here's how you do it. I have a dear friend, his name is Scott. And Scott, four years ago, had one of those terrible phone calls. You probably, some of you have received this call. What terrible news comes in. Early in the morning, his son went on a flight to Riverside, little plane from Temecula to Riverside, to go have lunch with his father-in-law and his brother-in-law. Three guys in this little plane. Have a great breakfast. Are let, lead, headed back to Temecula, and on the way back, there's a problem with the plane. They crash, and all of them perished. Scott gets the call that his son has died in this accident. Imagine the grief. Scott's daughter-in-law was pregnant. The other young man's wife was also pregnant. Tragic. It would make absolute sense. They would have nothing to be grateful for at that moment. But I tell you, if you meet Scott, I hope you do. He's involved here with the Mexico ministry. He is the most grateful man I've ever met. Somehow in the midst of this pain, of this terrible loss, Scott constantly found reasons to be grateful. I remember the very first thing he did is he sent out an email to everybody he knew. He said, hey, I'm going to open up my house. Come on over. Bring a dish. We're going to grieve together. And he invited people to just show up at his house. And they just, we just hung out. We ate food. He cried. He had no words. His family cried. We cried. We just sat there at times. We sang. We grieved together. You know what he said? He goes, I'm grateful for my community. 
that you can come and grieve with me. Even in the grief, he found something to be grateful for. And all along this journey, I watch as Scott, no matter what's happening, even though he is real about his grief, he somehow finds a way to be grateful. And you might say, well, I, I don't go on little planes, so I, I don't know what you're talking about. There might be other circumstances where you might, you might realize that life is, is really precious, that you and I don't have really any guarantee that we will step out of here and continue to live. Anything could happen at any moment. And when we can find gratitude for what's happening this moment right now, that's all we have, this moment. There are times where life can really shock us, and this is what happened to Scott. But just two weeks ago, a dear friend, she invited 18 people to come to her home. She decided, you know, she's the ultimate connector. She said, I'm going to invite a bunch of friends, and we're all going to hang out with this dinner. I'm going to introduce them to one another. And she had this beautiful, like, desire for this night, and she cooked this awesome meal, set up a beautiful table. They all sat down to enjoy the meal. All is good. And they start eating, and she chokes with her food in such a way that she dies. I mean, that's just like so crazy, isn't it? Like one moment, we're having this great meal. Imagine what those 18 people dealt with that night. That family crushed, a son and a daughter losing their mom like that. We have no real knowledge of what tomorrow might hold. And somehow, somehow, we can find gratitude in whatever happens. And even that family, when we watched them go through the, the memorial, they were so grateful for her heart to connect others to one another. And boy, those people, they are connected now in a way they'll never disconnect. See, there's always a way we can find because we don't know what tomorrow might hold. So even if we're thankful every day for the same thing over and over again, let that be just a reminder to you. That's okay because we have to cultivate a heart of thanksgiving. It's, it's the one thing we have control over. Now, listen, this is good news. Any control freaks in the house? Okay. All right, let me ask that again because I know there's more than four of us. Any control freaks in the house? Okay, guess what? Gratitude, we are 100% in control of it, 100%. Oh, yes, you can be like, you can say thank you when you don't mean it, but gratitude in the heart, it's 100% under your control. We can control when we're grateful, but we have to cultivate it. We have to choose to be grateful. We have to actually do things that, that created us a heart of gratitude that grows more and more. Look at what Paul writes in Colossians 3. He says this, he says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. But above all, above all those things, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ Rule in your hearts, how? Always be thankful. By always being thankful, no matter their circumstances, we must cultivate a heart of gratitude. You might say, well, I'm too busy, Inez. If you look at all the things I have to do, I have this long to-do list. I got no time to be grateful. I got places to go, things to accomplish, things to grow. I have no time for that. Well, put gratitude on your to-do list. 
put gratitude into this because all those things produce some fruit, but not eternal fruit as gratitude does. Just add it to your to-do list. Just put one day, one, I don't know, somewhere in your 3 p.m. calendar, a moment of gratitude. Or wake up in the morning, stand on, stand on, put your two feet down and go, take a deep breath and go, thank you, Lord, for my breath. Thank you. None of us are guaranteed that. We always have a reason to be thankful. Never be too busy to not say thank you. The other thing is that, did you notice that complaining is contagious? Like, all right, just for a test today, when you go to lunch or dinner at your table, start with something really small. Oh, my fork is dirty. I can't believe this place left. Just, just do that. Just test it out. My fork is dirty. Watch as a little fire takes place. And people around the table are going, yeah, this place used to be really good, and not good anymore. Next person, like, oh, yeah, one time I ordered a meal here. It just goes on and on and on. It is contagious. Do you agree with that? I mean, come on. How many of us have started that fire ourselves? There's this great moment, and we were the first ones to say negative things, and then, oh, it's out of our control. We can't stop it. It is contagious. But guess what? So is gratitude. At any moment on that path of ingratitude, you can turn the tables around by saying, yeah, but you know what? They have the nicest server at this restaurant. She is so kind. Last week, she gave me extra bread. You find a reason. You, you notice how clean the tables are? You know, there's a person that cleans those tables really nice every day. You just look for something and watch as the tide changes completely. And all of a sudden, gratitude is contagious. And the whole scene changes. If there's a challenge with someone, I mean, you're having a little argument with someone and they're telling you off, just take for a moment and say, thank you for sharing me your thoughts so passionately. <laughs> I tell you, it changes the air in the room. So you can change the way. The third thing is, you might say, you know, I'm an ungrateful person. I, I'm just naturally, I look at the wrong side of things. I don't look at the good side. And I totally get that. You know what, my mom, bless her heart, she is such a, power woman, and she raised seven kids by herself. Every Saturday, she'd have us empty our, our, all the stuff at our house. Uh, we had a little 600-square house, not a lot of furniture, but we took it all out, and we hosed the house. It was made of concrete and metal, so don't worry. We hosed the house, cleaned everything up, mopped the floor, mopped the walls, whatever, and then she'd come in, you know, Miss Inspector, and she'd look to see where is the one spot we missed. 99.9% .9 would have been perfect. If that little one was not right, she'd point it out in a second. Boy, I grew up, I learned that from her so quick. And my poor kids, they deal with that. Now, listen, it made me a really good housekeeper. I'm a great housekeeper. My house is clean. So I'm grateful for that. But at the same time, it made me critical. And there's a part of me that also looks for, like, the thing that's not working. And while that might bring excellence, not a bad thing, it also made for me a very ungrateful heart. So that's you. You got to do maybe what I did. I prayed for a whole year for God to give me a grateful heart. Every day, that was my prayer. God, give me a grateful heart today. Help me know what I can be thankful for today. And listen, God answers those prayers. He changes our hearts. So if you're one of those, pray with me. Let's pray together for a grateful heart. Maybe you're getting a little bit complacent. You're kind of like, life is good. All is good. Oh, sure, there's things to be grateful for, and you lost the awe of it. I don't want you to hear this message and think, go out there and fake gratitude. That is completely useless. It doesn't do anything for your heart. So if you need a little bit of boost of gratitude, then you might need to go on the walk in nature and just, just pause. Pause and look at the birds and look at the plants. 
and, and even pick up a few rocks and just marvel that this was all created by God. Go someplace where you're suddenly re-brought to a sense of awe. When you have that sense of awe, oh, that's what gratitude feels like. Build it up again. And then some of you might say, well, I've never really had a tough situation in life, so I don't know. I don't feel like I have a whole lot to be grateful for. But here's the thing. Even if you've never struggled, some of you probably have had more struggle than most of us can handle. But even if you've never struggled, you can put yourself in a position as though you have struggled. Let me give you an example. You park your car, and you go into the parking lot, and you can't find your car. How many of you have had this experience? You're like, where did I park it? You probably are going to have it after the service. Walking around this place, looking, pretending you know exactly where you're going. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, my car's over there. Sort of. I don't know what it is. And you're looking for the car, and you finally find the car. How happy are you? My car! You know, the little beat-up-looking thing. I don't care. It's my car. I'm going home. Because how quickly can a car be stolen? Like that. These guys are good at stealing cars. And how often when we can't find a car, that's the place, first place we go. All right, my car was stolen. I don't know, honey. I got to get off the phone. I think my car was stolen. Imagine that precious thing you love so much being gone. I remember once there was this little calendar that I had that Every day, it had a little quote of some sort. And one time, it had this quote that said, you know, be as grateful as though you lost something precious and you found it again. What's your precious thing? That if you lost it, you would be devastated and deeply sad. And what would it look like when you receive it again? When you find it again? How's that feeling? My car, my kids, my spouse, my job, my bank account, my friend. It just changes. Immediately builds a heart of gratitude. It's a great exercise. Any moment. Can't think of what to be grateful for? Imagine losing one thing, but not losing it. It changes your heart. And I know if you're in the middle of grieving, the beautiful picture that we learned from Scott, from Paul, is you can hold grief and gratitude at the same time. And it seems counterintuitive that these two things can go together, but they can. It's a lie to say that you can't find something to be grateful for even when you're struggling. That's a lie. They can coexist. You could be crying and go, I'm thankful. You know, you can still find a way just by placing yourself there. Look at the people who've gone through fire, whose homes have been devastated over the last few weeks. You know, you see this in the news time and time again, where people walk up to the, to the mess, maybe a chimney standing and everything else destroyed, and they're looking for something that they can take back. Maybe a little figurine or, or a piece of a picture or, or something, and you know, it might be a picture, and all they see is half of someone's face. The rest is burnt. And it's like, when they get it, they are like so overjoyed for that. And maybe before, that was a stack of pictures in some corner that they could care less about. They probably never even looked at. But that day, that's the most precious thing in their home. In the midst of grief, we can find gratitude, even if it's one small so we can have a thanks-living kind of a life, a joyful, grateful heart that brings healing to our souls if we just make it a point to cultivate gratitude 
every single day. And one of the ways that I want us to do that is even, even in the way that Paul did it. He wrote when he was in prison. This is written in Philippians. He was imprisoned for a long time, attached by chains to a Roman soldier. And so, I mean, what, how miserable is that, right? And yet Paul says this, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have, whether it's good or bad, I found a way. And so you could imagine Paul hanging with this guy the whole time, this, this antagonistic, mean Roman soldier who probably was not happy he had to be attached with Paul. And Paul's going, joke's on you, buddy. I'm going to give you the gospel. I'm going to tell you about Jesus, and then you're going to go tell other Roman citizens about Jesus. See, finding a way. So what would it look like for you and I to make it a point every day to be grateful for what we have? And here's a practical way for you to do so. Uh, we started this a few years ago. Jim and I did. I've heard about it somewhere. I thought, I'm going to do this. We got a jar in our home, and we started things that we were grateful, starting in Thanksgiving all the way through Christmas. And then on New Year's Day, we'd pull out our gratitude jar and read the things that we were grateful for. And it was so fun because there were people who visited us for different seasons, and they would write things they were grateful for and added to our jars. So we got surprised every so often with a gratitude gift from someone else. And it just started the year with this totally different hearts, uh, heart, and we decided we're going to do this every year, all year round. So this jar, which in our house is actually pretty ugly, but it's okay. It's in our kitchen, and it's there with pen and paper, and whoever walks in can write what they're grateful for and add it to the jar. And we're not good about doing it every single day, but man, by the end of the year, there's more there than if I didn't do it. So there's something to read. What if you did that between now and the end of the year? And we're making this easy for you because our um, bookstore came up with these beautiful, I have a sample of it right up front here. When you take communion, you'll see it. Beautiful jar. It comes with a lot of gratitude cards. Um, and you can put this in your kitchen. It looks nice. I bought one for myself so my old one can go away. And, and then start a jar of gratitude. Take a minute. Write something you're grateful for and then read them at the beginning of the year. Just, just one, two, three, four, five things, whatever that is. Don't, don't be critical on yourself. This is just you being cultivating gratitude every day. Now, I want to model gratitude for you. And one of the things that we're going to do between now and Christmas is every Sunday at every service, we're going to say thank you to our volunteers. Because we have about 70 volunteers here at the chapel. Is that unbelievable? 70 people who on a regular basis serve this community in all kinds of ways. We have prayer team people, elders. We have people who prepare the communion for us, um, people who prepare the room, our producers who set up this service, hosts at the door who welcome you, and people who actually put together the bulletin. There's a place for everyone. So listen, if you want to volunteer as you watch uh, these different positions being uh, celebrated, please fill out a Connect card. They're in the back. Let me know. I want to serve. Find me a spot. We'll find you a spot, I promise. Wouldn't it be awesome if all of us were serving? This would be a vibrant community. And so I want to invite our elders who are in the room and our prayer team. Uh, so if you're part of that team, please come forward. Come on, don't be shy. Come on, come on forward. This is what we're doing today. We're going to honor and thank our prayer warriors and our elders. And spread out. That's just this service. Isn't that cool? Now, these men and women have made a choice 
to give of their time to simply pray with you and for you and go boldly before God in their faith and saying, God, would you? And some of you have probably been prayed by them. Would you raise your hand if you've been prayed by some of these people? Yes. And that's what they come to do. So can we just give them an extra, extra, a lot of noise, a lot of gratitude. Let's show them some love. We have a little gift for you. It's a candle. Well, we are the chapel. We have candles here. So that every time you light it, you know that all of these people are grateful for you. You bring the light. So thank you. Thank you so much. Let's thank them again. (laughs) Okay. Now I'm going to invite you to thank God. During the rest of our service, we're going to respond to what God has said. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you. Oh, at the end of the service... Give them a high five, give them a hug, thank them, and say, I want to join your team. How do I do that? All right? I want, to, I want us to say thank you to God now as we respond. And one of the ways that we do that at the chapel is we take communion every day. At this table, you see we set it up more like a Thanksgiving table today. This is where we get to say thank you to Jesus for what he has done. He gave up his body for us, his perfect self for us, imperfect. And he shed his blood, righteous, good, pure, for our imperfection. And he made us clean in the eyes of God. And so here we get to say thank you to Jesus. And we've set it up like actually a dinner table. Because we want you to come down the aisle and look at one another and say thank you to a brother or sister here at the chapel. I want you to say, I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad we get to be together today as we thank God. And then we have the candles the cross where we confess our sins, our elders right up front, our prayer team around the room, our offering boxes, all places where today we can be very intentional in saying thank you to Jesus. Every one of us, every one of them are places for us to practice and cultivate our gratitude to God. So would you stand? Let me first thank the Lord, and then when you're ready, Go ahead and respond. And then we're going to come back together after you sing, after you do this. We're going to sing a really big thank you to the Father. So don't leave so we can do this together as a family. Let me pray for you. Father, we are so grateful. We are grateful people. You've done so much for us. And if that were not enough, you would do more. Because that's who you are. You're a generous God, a loving God. So Lord, may this time... As we walk around this room, as we say thank you to you for all that you've done, fill this place, Father, with a deep, deep sense of your presence, that we would feel it in our hearts, that you would heal whatever healing needs to happen in this room, oh God, that you would heal body, soul, spirit, mind, as we say thank you to you. And Father, thank you, thank you for the example of that one man that went back. May we be that one man that comes back to you and acknowledge you have done something good in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and say thank you to God. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and His work together. Thanks again.